Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR Show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Big Daddy Liberty and Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. Welcome to the IRR Show. It is another Tuesday, which means Sarah Gon and Big Daddy Liberty are back. Um, good morning, and, and um, I hope you are warm and snug if you're in the office, if you're back in the office, one of the lucky few, or if you're still sitting at home. Sarah, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, obviously, we're still in lockdown because uh, the uh, technical gremlins still have to be overcome um, if, if you and I are sitting in our respective homes. But otherwise, I'm fine. I'm probably a bit depressed, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we're still very much in lockdownistan, as I like to call South Africa now. Um, and, uh, welcome to the listeners. Uh, we're going to have a, a bit of a different show today. Uh, we don't have a guest, uh, per se, but what we're going to do is we're going to spend the majority of the show looking at the news items that, that, you know, really popped off, so to speak, um, over the last week and provide deeper analysis. And uh, m- most importantly, we're going to be digging into um, the Daily Friend. That's, remember, our website, www.dailyfriend.co.za, to provide you what the headlines are there and provide some deeper... It, it gives me an opportunity, uh, Sifli, to, uh, um, to uh, on this occasion, and we'll come to it, is to look at actually two articles I wrote, a, a, a nice punt for myself, um, and that's only because they happen to deal directly with some of the issues that we will uh, uh, that we will be looking at. Fantastic, fantastic. In that case, let's take our first ad break, and then when we come back, we'll pick it up. <laughs> Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Alrighty, welcome back to it. Remember you're listening to the IRR show every Tuesdays at 9am with Sarah Gon and BDL. Guys, welcome to the show. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, Sarah, it's mm. been a, a rather bumpy, turbulent and interesting week. We're finally in level three. Um, right. And, and, you know, I, on the past show, on the past BDL show at least, I've made mention of the fact that, you know, this shouldn't lull people into complacency. Mm-hmm. But in real terms, very still much in a lockdown, yes, and mm-hmm. your freedoms are nowhere near being, um, uh, you're nowhere near as free, rather, as you should be. In fact, I made the observation that level three lockdown in reality is akin to what the hard lockdowns have been in other parts of the world, like mm-hmm. Europe, for example. Uh, comment on that? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, no, it, it, it is, isn't because it's, not, it, it, it's similar to Europe and America in that you are now allowed to exercise and go out. Um, you can buy alcohol. Um, you don't have to confine yourselves. You don't have to confine yourselves to home. Uh, you have to take the, pre- the preventative measures of uh, masking and, and, and hand sanitizing. But it's still in a period of confusion and uncertainty. I mean, a simple example is that you've got a national park such as, I think, um, sorry, uh, Table Mountain and one other in the Cape opening up. Other parks, national parks are not. 
and parks, parks as in uh, municipal parks, uh, are not uh, are not open under the regulations, which d- defy logic. Because if there's one thing people can do is that they they can walk outside, even in reasonably large numbers, walk their dogs, whatever it is they want to do, without sort of breathing over the next guy. So it's got that 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 level of uncertainty, and I think it's also got that sense for people that it's almost like. Uh, you, you're not quite sure, unless you've got a distinct purpose of going to an office, you're actually not quite sure how to approach it. And, and going out, it's like coming out of prison. I mean, literally, it's it sort of got that, what do I do next feel about it? And if you are not going into an office or performing an in, a, a essential service, it doesn't actually feel a hell of a lot different. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing worse than a... Uh, a one a wannabe, if I can call it that, authoritarian approach mm. um, being taken by government, being poorly communicated, because mm. it essentially sets up citizens to be in conflict with the state. And we've seen this since the very beginning mm. of the lockdown, essentially where the initial periods, let's say the first two weeks or so of it, um, saw relatively poor communication or the filtering down, rather, of communication into communities that don't consume uh, say, you know, traditional mainstream media that don't write to the newspapers, that don't call into radio, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, and you saw the first casualties, if you will, um, being, you know, the invariably the more rural slash um, informal settlement mm. Uh, mm. Uh, citizens who came into direct conflict. And you can imagine this, this somewhat confusion where maybe you've heard roughly that something's happening um, and then you wake up the next day and find, you know, Brown shirts on your streets marching up mm. and down telling you to mm. confine. Um, mm. and, and, you know, there's, there's been that, that almost then secession, if you will, mm. of one fully communicated and then just confusing communication by the state. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. One of the things I think we need to do which reflects what we're talking about with the lockdown is that we need to give a shout-out to Pitleru and Sarkalecha. Uh, we had Pitleru on the show last week talking about the court action that Sarkalecha were going to take against the gov- was going to take against the government regarding the unlawfulness. They claimed that the, it was unlawful to, certif- to have to certify businesses to operate. It was an intrusion by the state that wasn't supported by the Constitution. And interestingly, yesterday... The judgment came out in favor of Sarkalecha. Um, and, and as Peter Roo said, you know, an economy does not work with certification and certification by the CIPC. The licensing system, the CIPC system was, um, required by the Ministry of Trade. But then in addition, they challenged the Minister of Small uh, Business and, uh, Mwanlindiwe Zulu, who is, um, not exactly a door in a fashion, shall we say. And she required that every 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 business that wanted to operate on an essential basis, like handing out food or other essential um, items to to poor people, had to get a stamp of approval, so a government stamp of approval, to do this. Um, according to Pitt, the Sarkalecha actually entered sent letters to the ministers and actually entered into mediation, which is quite a step. And nothing happened. So they ended up having to go to court. Um, so the success essentially is that no one needs a license to trade. And the court felt so strongly about it that it, it's awarded costs against the government. 
which of course unfortunately means that although it's a positive um, it's a positive move it sends out a good message but it means that we have to cough up at the end of the day um, <coughs> sorry excuse me um Sikla, are you back with us okay let me let me let me uh, continue um one of the problems with the lockdown is the most one of the most controversial things is that from day one tobacco products have been banned um and this this has really been in the realm of uh, Minister Nkosazana Lamini Zuma. And after the break, I'll pick it up and we'll see why it's becoming an increasing problem. And now it's becoming an increasing problem for her. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Right. We come back to um, NDZ, as, as she is commonly called, our Minister of Corporate, uh, Corporate Development. Corporation Development, sorry, and more things, but that, that's the crucial thing. She is in charge of administering the lockdown. And from the word go, she has taken a very, very tough stand on tobacco products. She will not allow any tobacco products to be sold. Now, the, the, the rationale for this, just from a point of view of putting people under a very hard lockdown, was very, very strange because nicotine is extremely addictive and you cannot just pull people off nicotine. So that was the one thing. Uh, And also to some extent people will rely on certain things like, unfortunately, like alcohol and and tobacco to get them through a a period like this. But she persisted. Level 4 came upon and she persisted some more. And then, Sikhle, we got to level 3. And alcohol is allowed to be sold, but not tobacco products. Um, I mean, one has to begin to ask some serious questions around this, and um, sorry to the viewers, you, you lost me temporarily, just some network issues, but one has to ask some serious questions around this, and I was actually building up to it, which mm-hmm. is how far do you essentially, um, where do we draw the line as a society around um, you know what what we perceive polit- should be the role of politicians in a society. Should we legitimately think that a politician can nanny us into saying who can and can't drink, when you can and can't drink, uh, who can and can't smoke, when you can and can't smoke, uh, which cigarettes should be allowed? Because that's th- those are the key questions that are being um, that, that are circulating right now. For instance, let me be precise and specific. If anybody really believes that there is a ban or there was a ban on alcohol, or there is and was a ban on cigarettes, then you're actually fooling yourself to a large extent, because this country has fueled uh, over this last period an explosion, if you will, a a, a large explosion of the black market, Mm. um, you know, the the, the seedy underworld, if you will, of what became... Um, you know, almost prohibition South Africa alcohol. You know, I, I, I giggle as I say that because I have this mental image of someone named Bugsy Malone selling me. Um, <laughs> Bugsy, <laughs> Bugsy Malone, <laughs> with a Tommy gun, waiting for the saps to sort of, you know, try and pounce on them. Okay, I digress. But um, and essentially, the more dangerous one because it had always existed and really grew under this period has been the underworld of um, the c- cigarette sales because. Um, you know, ask any smoker who's had to um, endure this last period and still is, they're most likely still smoking. Mm. In fact, you're stopped at times, uh, especially those of us who have permits and have been doing media work, mm. you're stopped at times by, you know, law enforcement and maybe one in a group of officers is, you know, uh, 
dragging on, dragging on a cigarette. <laughs> and you ask yourself the question, hang on. Um, you know, maybe someone has explained why some pigs are more equal than others in this mm. situation and yeah. how, if you will, there's been the development of this black market. Now, here's the question I want to pose, Sarah. It, mm. it, it cannot be said. That someone in the state, with all the intelligence they receive, et cetera, et cetera, and including someone like um Zuma, it cannot be said that they don't know this, that they yeah. don't know there's a, an explosion of this black market, which then mm. begs the question, what mm. is the purpose of um, uh, the ban? Uh, mm. You know, who's benefiting from this, if yeah. anything? Um, <laughs> and one doesn't want to roam yeah. into the realm of conspiracy, but there surely is a beneficiary. Well, well, the thing is that, you know, reasons have been given rather opaquely, um, or, re- or not given. Um, uh, our president didn't give reasons for why he changed his position on, on the sale of, of cigarettes. There's been some mention of they don't want cigarette-related or alcohol-related alcohol uh, 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 people in, into casualties and hospitals, but that's likely to become redundant or it's going to happen anyway. Um, th- then... Essentially, what what she has done is justified it on the basis of um, scientific reports that support the idea that people who smoke uh, are at greater risk and take up more resources. The problem is that a a much greater number of findings are that, in fact, smokers might be, to some extent, protected from the, the virus. It's something about the virus not binding to the lungs. If they do get it, it will take them longer to recover, but they are not as prone or as uh, vulnerable to the disease as are um, people who suffer from diabetes, people su- who suffer from high blood pressure, and TB um, sufferers. Those those groups are hugely at risk. And the, I understand that the, the, the uh, deaths, a lot of the comorbidities have revolved around uh, revolved around diabetes. So there's no indication that this is of any great public, um, sorry, health benefit whatsoever. So it hints at, to, it hints at a, a private conspiracy or desire, I don't know what that might be, but it's been aggravated by the fact that the DA has now accused her of lying in her court papers because she said to us a few weeks ago that she received 2,000 representations um, of which I think, what did she say, uh, 400, um, what, no, no, she, 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 she I, I can't remember what the amount was, but she said 2,000 representations against smoking. Her court papers have said essentially that she received a total of 1,500 representations and nearly half didn't even deal with the subject and about 20%, 26% did. So, I mean, that is, and they've reported her to the Ethics Committee of Parliament for, for what that's worth. And, you know, it, it, it does, it does uh, make the conspiracy theorists, uh, it, it gives them a, a day to, uh, to really go for it. Yeah. I mean, again, um, you know, maybe as my last thought on this, on this particular mm. topic, because it, it's so important. It's so important for South Africans to, to really uh, chew on this issue and, and decide for themselves mm. where they draw the line in terms of what a politician can and can't tell you. Mm. Um, because it's a freedom issue. And you'll notice, dear listener, that over this entire period, it has been your freedoms that have been under greatest assault and not necessarily the coronavirus. Um, I mean, if, 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 it were, if, if it were possible in a, in a weird, hypothetical, magical world that the coronavirus had a voice and, you know, it, it could speak and we had it on, its, on the show, 
it would literally be the most chilled virus ever. It, it wouldn't have a single scratch on it, um, and it wouldn't even have trauma um, if we asked it a question around its fight against the state, which has, you know, whether you believe it should or not, this is not what I'm prosecuting, but the state has made itself almost the sole responsible party for, for addressing uh, COVID-19. Hence, we've seen the, you know, the development of, of bodies like the National Coronavirus Command Council and et cetera, et cetera. Point is... If we were to have the coronavirus in the studio having a chat with us, it'll basically tell us about where it's been and how fun it's been and, you know, all these people that it's met, um, you know, to our detriment, of course, given that it's a killer virus, um, and how it's, it's immensely amused at the, 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 um, the, uh, I loathe to call it overreaction, but at this stage, given what the data is now showing in terms of the efficacy, of something like a lockdown, it has been an overreaction. Um, and again, I say that not to blame the state per se, because in the initial stages, there really was a lack of data. Um, and it didn't help that the Chinese weren't forthright um, at the beginning of this. But now that the data is out and we're starting to see uh, a, a fuller picture, you now have a situation where, you know, the virus would literally say, ha, huh, it's been really funny to see South Africa in particular really double down on the bad decision-making, on the overreaction, when the rest of the world has begun to sort of see me for what I am, which is essentially a, a very bad version of the flu and a very um, – one which I can spread quickly, but one in which the vast majority of people really survive. Um, and you don't need to do things like banning cigarettes and, mm. you know, telling people that they can't drink. I mean, you should have seen, sorry, as a last gasp, as mm. I said, you should have seen the scenes um, yesterday uh, on the first mm. day of level three of people literally queuing. Um, mm. And I'll, 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 I'll just for full disclosure, you know, for the BDL show, I'm going to go out again to liquor stores um, to see if those queues are still there. Maybe even talk to some people. Um and bring you that this Friday, those sound bites this mm. Friday on the Yell show. But in any event, mm. the point is, you should have seen the queues of people, mm. you know, uh, queuing and, and literally, there was two types of people as I saw them. There were the ones who said, I don't know, because of how irrational and almost hot-headed the politicians have been, I don't know if they'll ban this again. So I mm. now want to take this opportunity, um, you know, irrational as it may seem to an outsider looking in, to queue and get as much as I possibly can with whatever mm. I do have. Financially, mm. so that if this uh, hard lockdown comes back, at least I've got something to keep me a little uh, warm <laughs> over winter. <laughs> um, and then you have other people who are just ecstatic. I mean, I'm going to share videos on my channel of people, they were marching bands, sorry, that literally came to tops. Um, <laughs> I, I kid you not, actual full fledged marching bands of people just absolutely happy. Um, to finally be able to buy something which is, they've always just assumed is a freedom of theirs. Um, so it would be very interesting to then have that conversation with people to then say, is this something they think helped in the fight against COVID? If so, um, do they support politicians banning, uh, you know, uh, or rather putting in place rules around what they can and can't do with their own bodies? Well, uh, if I were, if I were them, I'd, I'd hold a little bit on the celebration because what's happened, what we see happening, is what we predicted could possibly happen at the outset of the uh, lockdown in March the twenty fifth. We produced a, 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 a document that pr- pr- provided ideas and suggestions for policy issues from health. Um, security, etc. We really wanted to try and put forward something that would be of assistance. But I wrote a section that wasn't on policy. It was on the fact that we have to be wary that a government that 
takes on powers for itself that it doesn't normally have is very is very tempted and possibly very likely to become more authoritarian and less uh, less prone to following the democratic norms. And the, the, my fears have partly been released, and I talked about them in an article on, on Daily Friend uh, entitled ANC, a foe of the free market. End of last week, Friday, the, the ANC's National Executive Council, which is its highest bo- decision-making body, had a meeting. And its alliance partners were in attendance, even though they are not sitting, they are not on the NEC as such. And essentially what came out of it is something what we expected is that the, the, the power, messy as it sometimes was exercised, uh, has created, shall we say, a taste for more power. And there was no doubt that the decision was the crisis, the decisions meant that the crisis could be used to more quickly advance the national democratic revolution, towards a socialist economy, which we'd know as a command economy. Um, they're pushing for radical economic transformation. And, and President Ramaphosa mentions this quite often. He never defines it. And, and I think that's what makes him so successful as a propagandist, is that he uses these terms, which you and I know what they mean, but he never spells them out to the public. So he leaves the public to interpret them as uh, as uh, as he wants. But really the, 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 the snarkiest thing that came out of it was that SACP leader, some, uh, his Secretary General of uh, SACP, Soli Mapaile, said that the COVID-19 crisis provided an opportunity for the state to be, quote, empowered, close quote, to, quote, discipline capital and the private sector, close quote, which was at its, quote, weakest. Now, it, it, I mean, it, it, this is, this is, this is fighting talk. And clearly they see the opportunity, even though to a large extent the courts have overturned a lot of their, uh, their powers to hasten the move to socialism. And if anyone was in any doubt that this is where the government is going, this was it. And we've said for, for a number of years that you mustn't be fooled by the charm that, that uh, the president exudes. He is a socialist, and I think he's a huge asset. I don't think anyone will want to get rid of him in the ANC at the moment because he is, pardon the, pardon the expression, but to use in marketing parlance, the poster boy for the revolution. Absolutely. And I think... Uh, you know, if, if I were to break it down even further and to its simplest forms, it would be to say this really, um, just to really echo your, your sentiments. And that's a very important piece. I really encourage people to go to the Daily Friend website. That's dailyfriend.co.za so you can read all this news analysis and opinion. I, I would even break it down further to say this. You now have a situation where for the average South African, the choice is in front of you of which society you want to choose. Do you choose a society where essentially we err on the side of liberty and we err on the side of markets, where the power and the resources by and large should and are in the hands of individuals? And really, I talk a lot about individuals, but really we're a family society. So the decision-making and the resources and the power is in the hands of families. So that you, the father or the mother of the household, you, the entrepreneur, you, the individual going to work every day, or you, the unemployed person looking for work, um, have a full basket of uh, options in front of you, uh, decisions that you can make that can either advance your quality of life or, you know, if you make the bad decisions, um, affect it, but you pay the cost of, right? Do you take that route as a society, which invariably the, the vast majority of the world has taken and has seen a raising of living standards generally um, over the last sort of 80 to 100 years? 
um, i.e. really you know capitalist markets and, and markets um, that provide opportunity for, for, for the poor? Or do you take the other route, as Sarah was, was describing, which is the command economy, the idea that a small elite, a, a, an elite not based on their riches, but rather based on their connections and proximity to political power, a small elite from that um, rises to the, the top of society and from that position uses force um, and the levers of the state to essentially pick winners and losers in society, thereby creating a society where he who has closest proximity to politicians is the one who makes it in that society. As to whether that person is productive and is a contributing member of society becomes irrelevant because what really matters in that instance is their, as I said, their proximity to politicians and their political clout. Um, so that you then have the ordinary South African who's maybe an entrepreneur who's starting something, creating value, um, creating jobs become play second fiddle to the individuals who don't do any of that, but seem to reap the full benefits of their relationship, their cozy relationship with politicians. That is really the choice that South Africans have. And in each of those choices, as a last gasp, you see what it means for a society. We've seen, for example, how the latter, the idea of a political elite, um, ascending to the throne and becoming our political overlords. We've seen what society looks like under that. We've had a trial period and we still are under that trial period of this lockdown where life became and is rather miserable for a lot of people when you allow politicians to have that sort of level of control. But life has been fantastic for those who are in the close proximity of said politicians. Um, and equally as the last gasp, as I always, always, always say, um, we've seen the erosion of what South Africa should be, which is the market economy, where people are losing the jobs that they used to have that provided the income and the savings, which allowed them to buy stuff. The people are losing businesses, small businesses, which again are providing the incomes and the savings. And um, one has to beg the question, which is the preferred society? That is the choice, I argue, is in front of people. Um, to back you up, Sikhle, uh, perhaps I could just comment, make one further reference to a, a comment that Mapaile made that would d- decide you go your former route of, of taking control of your own life. He said, and bear in mind that he was not on the NEC itself, but he was just sitting there and he came out with all this bluster afterwards. He said the government could reposition its terms of engagement with business using conditions for the relief of funds it was offering to business. The comment essentially amounts to economic blackmail. I think we go to a break in, on that basis. Absolutely. We'll pick it up after this short break. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Alrighty, Morris and Bonani, hello, how's it? Shalom, welcome back to the IRR show. We have... We're, we're, we're going, um, we're going rogue today. There's no guest and it is just Sarah and I basically picking up on the issues that have dominated the headlines, you know, providing a bit more from our perspective, at least a classically liberal perspective, some analysis on these headlines. And, uh, sorry, I want to just quickly circle back, mm. um, to a conversation we had before the break because there was something also very significant that happened over this last weekend, mm-hmm. which sort of got lost in the, the, the usual fawning over the president. And mm-hmm. that is a president who, who appears before uh, South African uh, editors uh, for a, a Q&A um, and basically says something which sends a chill down my spine, but they, they being the journalists by and large, sort of just dismissed as, you know, usual rhetoric. Here's a president who basically said 
um, that he lives in a society where the economy is racist, quote, mm-hmm. and is colonial in nature, mm-hmm. quote. And mm-hmm. no one bats an eyelid. No one in, even in that moment um, actually takes the moment to say, but Mr. President, hang on, hang on, hang on. You are worth, according to Forbes, a, a net of 450 uh, uh, billion uh, U.S. dollars. It's, um, it's, it's essentially six billion rand. Sorry, I, I, I crossed my, my 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 numbers there. How is it really? Can it be? How can it really be argued? Rather, um, being worth 450 million as well as going sorry dollars, how is it possible that a black individual in this country can ascend to that sort of level of wealth um, and and live in a quote unquote racist economy and a colonial one? Um, if anything, if I can take this line of reasoning further, and I'll, I'll put it to you just now, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Y- your party has been at the commanding heights of that said society and that said com- economy for you know over two decades now, two and a half decades. Something's not adding up here. Mm-hmm. No one actually asked them this. What's going on here? You know, it's... Uh, um, it's... it's the People are often surprised by how... Um, anti Cyril I am and the reason is is it's exactly that sort of thing he's, he sits there with this very calm sort of in control polite demeanor and he, he doesn't say essentially that you know we, we, our economy uh, came from a, a colonialist and apartheid past he implies that apart, uh, sorry that uh, racism is still what dominates this economy as if it were a deliberate thing that somehow the very relatively small proportion of whites were inflicting on the society. It also saying that by implication, this racism is so strong that we, the ANC, who have governed the society for 26 years and did reasonably well for the first 10 years, couldn't continue it. We had to fall prey to state looting, state capture, every form of lack of service provision imaginable. And I find it, and, and that's what I think, what I find so awful about him is exactly that sort of stating these things that just pass by and are not stated very calmly. And actually, they are basically race baiting. Um, I know that sounds very harsh, but it's race baiting. No, but they are. And I'll actually add to that. Um, and, and I'll, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll say this. Imagine now being a, a young South African, a young black South African, from, you know, maybe informal settlements in Cape Town, you maybe you live in a sand dune in, on a, in a shack in Cape Town somewhere, or you're from Imlazi, where I'm from, or you're from Alexandria, just a spitting distance from where I am right now. And you're listening to your president basically tell you, no, 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 you're not making it, um, in society, uh, because you live in this racist, uh, economy. Um, it, it, it has nothing to do with my failures and my party's failures uh, to provide a free, prosperous, non-racial and property-owning society, one which accords people economic opportunities by way of a good education, safety and security, of course, which is needed, and good health care, which prolongs people's quality of life um, in this free uh, society that I mentioned. No, no, it has nothing to do with that, nothing to do with my failures. It has everything to do with this, this boogeyman that I'm creating um, as a pretext, of course, to this radical economic transformation, which is just code, by the way, for, for a socialist uh, dystopia, 
And no one, as I said, bats an eyelid. And for me, I then sit back and I think, what if I was still that Sikhle, that big daddy, if you will, sitting in Mlazi, young, aspirational, hopeful, looking at opportunities, and I hear my president basically say, oh, you know what, um, essentially there's nothing you can do because the, the very game itself is rigged against you because it's racist in nature or it's colonial in its structure. You're literally shutting down the aspirations of people who don't view the world through that false prism that the, the president was selling and actually want to create value, actually want um, to become the sort of individuals that, 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 that make it, that thrive. And it's, it's, for me, that's where my anger stemmed from when I listened to the president uh, race bait in that nature. Um, it's him basically playing South Africans off against each other um, based on race. Um, but it looks like we have to take a break, and which is maybe a good thing because I was feeling my blood pressure go up <laughs> on this issue. Um, sorry, let's take the, the last break and we'll be back just to wrap up the show. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Yeah, but yes, we're back. Um, just to wrap up the show, it's the last five minutes or so, um, with a, a very necessary break just, I was just taken. Um, sorry. <laughs> what are we yeah. looking at in the news week ahead? What should people be on the lookout for? There's a lot of court uh, cases that are coming in now, aren't there? There's court cases coming in. I think the DA is up on next Wednesday. So it's, no, yeah, it is next Wednesday. So we'll be able to look at it a bit before that. Um, and, the hairdressers are going to court, uh, understandably. Um, um, be, you know, the, this whole, this whole thing, the, the comparison of allowing 50 people in church but not taking measures in, in, in restaurants or, or, or hairdressers is, uh, is an economic, uh, nightmare. Um, SAA will be on the headlines because, uh, Provin Gordon seems to have successfully bullied the business rescuers um, to uh, to uh, put forward a plan that ensures that a new airline is formed at our cost, and I think very scary, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there is still going to be a lot of fallout on over the death, over the murder of George, or the manslaughter rather of George Floyd, by a policeman in Minneapolis, um, which is has had ramifications, symbolic ramifications, huge damage. It's it's been an extraordinary situation. I think coming through the lockdown, it's also played on people's frustrations and feelings of being cooped up. So it's a real, it's a cauldron of of of, of potential problems. Yeah, it'll be just my final thought on that one. That one will be particularly interesting to watch because there also is a lot of politics at play in this that has nothing to do, unfortunately, with um, you know honouring. Uh, and taking up the, the fight against pol- police brutality, um, from, you know, stemming from the George Floyd incident. There's a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, underhanded, almost nefarious, um, Antifa activity, which again, as President as well. uh, Trump has picked up on. And when he picks up on something, I, I just, I don't see it having a nice amicable <laughs> end, per yeah. se. I think that's going to be a conflict for the books in mm-hmm. America. Um, and I must raise this, and it's something I'll be watching, especially for the BDL show, is, you know, let's not look at America. Let's look at the cases of police brutality that we've seen here in South Africa. Um, Same people hand, did. Absolutely. And the SAPs and, and the SANDF. I'll be watching that and uh, picking up the case of Collins Causa again, mm. especially as the uh, uh, the South African National Defense Force 
basically tried to exonerate itself in its own report. So we're going to be watching that and putting some pressure on that for the Big Daddy Liberty show. So on that wonderful and glorious note, um, <laughs> sorry if you have any last thoughts? No, I'll just leave it at that. Thanks, Sir Perfect. And let me say thank you very much for listening to the IRR show. Remember, if you like the opinion, the analysis and the news that you get on the show, then find us in the written format on the Daily Friend. That's right, the Daily Friend. That's dailyfriend.co.za. You'll find all our content there. Watch out for the Institute of Race Relations. They will be releasing a very interesting report. Um, maybe detailing that the lockdown hasn't been just over the last 60 plus days. It's been much longer. Hmm. Interested in that? Well, then keep your eyes peeled on the Daily Friend. Guys, my name is Big Daddy Liberty, and you've been listening to us uh, on the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we'll see you next week, Tuesday.